This episode is part of the series Know Your Candidates. Conversations with the candidates for the election of 2019 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. Radio Plasma does not support or oppose any candidate for public office. This is a nonpartisan, independent media outlet dedicated to promoting a peace culture, embracing diversity, sharings of opinions and ideas, and ensure all voices are represented in our media. This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to our series, Know Your Candidates, conversations with the candidates to Holyoke City Council in the 2019 municipal election of November 5th. I'm Johan Rashivega, and our guest today is Rebecca Lisi, running at large. Welcome, Rebecca, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Johan. So you are looking up to two more years of serving the city of Holyoke from the city council running at large, and... This is an interesting process where we are having a lot of new people into the wrong. So this is, I feel, a really competitive election. It is really competitive. I think that we've seen uh, incumbents challenge this year around in the at-large category. Uh, we were one short of setting off a preliminary there. We have 12 candidates running for six seats. We have five incumbents and there's an open seat. So I think there's a lot of newcomers uh, trying to capture that open seat since uh, Dan Bresnahan dropped out. And uh, I think it's a really exciting time. I mean, we need to have more people involved in local politics. And the fact that uh, people see themselves as leaders with something to say and something to contribute, I think it's a really positive thing for the city. How do you feel having your name on the ballot being on the run and having the support of many in the city for you to continue working for two more years as city councilor? Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, there is something to say about uh, experience being an asset in legislative politics and policymaking that we're doing in the city council. Um, you really get to understand the procedures and how to, you know, shape policy, shape legislation, make sure that things are going to work for the city and work with department heads. So you build relationships and you build a familiarity with the process. So I think that I've grown a lot and people notice the way that my experience has served the community. And so I believe that I draw a lot of support from that. Uh, but there's also, you know, something that's always ticking inside of me that's like, okay, I'm beyond the 10 year mark now. And uh, I am also, uh, I want to say, conscientious of how long I hold that seat and perhaps, you know, looking for another leader to mentor and, and fill my seat, um, because I do think that change on the city council is a, a positive indicator of a healthy democracy as well. I appreciate that you bring this to the conversation, because when we see people in city council that have been sitting for way longer than the 12 years that you have been already, and they don't see this as a need, they don't see change and being up to date, and most important, passing the torch to a new generation who is willing and in the need to learn 
this experience and the way to continue the progress of the city and the nation as well. And they just feel it's a place for them to keep and hold for as long as they live, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think that there there is some truth to people feeling very comfortable and proud of their positions and they want to retain them. I do also feel that there is uh, somewhat of a leadership deficit in the community. I think in most other communities, you have like a robust civic life, different civic organizations, community organizations, where people learn the skills that you would need to have to be a leader, create an event, or you know connect with their neighbors about an important issue to, to make these changes. And In Holyoke, I feel like there are a lot of community organizations that are service agencies, but not necessarily civic groups. So at the service agency, the membership is, you know, by being a client, a recipient of a service, and that doesn't do the same in terms of developing a sense of agency and efficacy that, you know, I, I can do stuff on my own. And I think when you have... Uh, you know, civic groups, civic organizations that, you know, just create community events or do things for the neighborhood. People develop those skills in a, in a really subtle and inconspicuous way, and it gives them the confidence to, to put themselves out there. So on one hand, yes, I do think that people have been holding seats for a very long time and are not aware in some ways of how they're holding space from other folks. But I do think that At the same time, there is a leadership gap, and we don't see as many people stepping up in the, in the community. When we see this need for organizing and identifying and support these new leaders that the city needs, it has to do as well with that engagement the elected officials need to have with community. And I think that that goes hand to hand with this need of uh, engaging, passing on the torch, making yourself available, mm -hmm. approachable, mm -hmm. inclusive. And while sometimes could be seen as, yes, political game in the play, but we know how much of this makes politics transparent mm -hmm. and builds trust, mm -hmm. which is right now one of the, the challenges that I think is seen between certain sectors in the community in different parts in the city towards government, local government overall. So seeing that you have been out and about and engaging with people and trying to find ways to connect and put out different messages and being also the carrier of those messages mm -hmm. on city council meetings, I feel it's uh, a good way to have an example to show for, for leaders and for people in general who are interested in being involved in this on how, how this should be working. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's been very much an artifact of necessity <laughs> because I'm not from Holyoke originally and I have no, you know, pre-established relationships coming into the city. And so I really, you know, was forced to put myself out there and um, make connections and You know, Crush was really instrumental. Crush was a, you know, a civic organization that I created. It stood for uh, Citizens for the Revitalization and Urban Success of Holyoke. And that was an attempt to say, there's a lot of new people in town and they don't know how to connect with one another. There's no um, coffee shop in the, in the downtown at that period of time. And it was really hard to, like, meet people and kind of just get, you know, your pulse on, like, what's happening and who's out there and who wants to do stuff together. And so Crush was an attempt to start to build a network that was going to be, you know, diverse and capture, you know, 
in some ways the, the value that we have in the urban core, um, both in terms of the architecture, the historic architecture that we have in the urban core, but then also uh, in terms of the diversity. Um, and like really like saying that the urban component and everything that that term in, embodies in terms of um, diversity of people, ethnicities, races, class, is an asset that we want to see and retain as we grow and revitalize. And so we spearheaded a lot of conversations around gentrification, and we really started to build uh, you know, an interesting cross-cutting network of relationships. Uh, and I think that had a really positive impact on, on the community uh, because it got people, it was as if they, there was a latent group of people that were here but didn't know how to connect and then all of a sudden they had a space to connect to the city and contribute to the city and i think that that was really uh, an important moment another aspect when you keep bringing the diversity and different points of view and looking at city council right now we see a um, big unbalanced number of representation in terms of gender mm -hmm. there's only four women at City Council currently, being uh, Ward 1, Gladys Legro Martinez, Ward 4, uh, Josie Valentin currently, Ward 5, Linda Bacon, and yourself at large. Mm -hmm. We know that Josie Valentin is no longer going to be part of the City Council. Mm -hmm. Should Levy Hernandez win, that place will be taken by her. So the numbers will stay at the same. We have the opportunity of having possibly one more addition at large should Deborah Luisi win that seat for Sina Ladarch. And still with that, we don't have a still close to balanced mm -hmm. number of women mm -hmm. in city council. Mm -hmm. Just last week, I had a conversation with one of the teens at the library, and she brought something about this around why there is not enough women in local government. And I asked her, why do you think it is? And the points that she brought were right on point meaning that there is no opportunities for, for women to succeed or to feel that they belong in that circle. And therefore, they don't feel encouraged or they don't feel there is a point on even trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say um, it's definitely a difficult space to be in at times as a woman. I mean, I think that um, there's been a num number of incidents where we've seen, um, you know, harsh or we, would, we wouldn't say, even say misogynistic statements um, on mic, on camera, um, come out towards uh, myself and, and others along the way. And, you know, I think that uh, it, there, there is a network there, you know, and so piercing the net and, and getting in is, is not easy. And then I think also as a woman at times, um, when you speak out and you speak up, um, it's not received to be as uh, legitimate or valid a point as um, when a man speaks. And so you really have to work hard and develop a tough um, skin in order to uh, be in that space and, and really and make your voice heard. Uh, I would also just note that I think that in addition to gender disparity, we also have um, racial slash ethnic disparity on the council as well. Um, when you think about Holyoke being a community of, I think we're roughly 50% Latinx. We don't have roughly 50% Latinx representation on the council either. Um, it's been exciting to see you know, some new faces 
that identify as Latinx be on the council. I mean, we even had uh, Aaron Vega at one point in time, Nelson Roman, um, but we can't retain the numbers. You know, we, we may get one person here, one person there, but we're not retaining numbers to add to uh, a critical mass of sorts. So how do you feel your experience, your learning process as well, could be of benefit to the city for two more years? And at the same time, I would like to add that possibly teaching process for any emerging woman leader in the city who will want to take some of that example for maybe feel motivated to run in the future? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the experience that I bring to the city council means that I understand how to craft legislation, make use of the information that our experts and technical support and the department heads um, can offer us. And then if there are new women in the community who want to, you know, learn the ropes, I would say really getting involved on the ground level in uh, a candidate's campaign is a great way to understand the networking and relationship building aspects that are really the core of uh, politics. And it's not, you know, an insidious like, oh, like it's an insider's club. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's in order for people to get their voices out and be heard, they need to feel that they can speak to uh, somebody who holds an elected position and that they will be listened to. And I think that's the aspect of relationship building that we need to build um, through our campaigns. And I think, again, that's part of the experience that I bring to each campaign that I run. I have to run. I can't rely on an extended family network or a you know, network of friends that I had from high school um, so I really have to work really hard every single year to get my name out there, and I'm knocking on doors, and um, I'm building relationships. And now that I have a small child going to public school here, um, that's been really exciting uh, because there's like a lot of quote-unquote politics that happens in uh, meeting people on the soccer field or at a baseball game when you're just talking about what's going on in your neighborhoods and what are the issues that you're thinking about and what are the ways that we as you know, citizens in a democracy are going to impact those issues. And that also now brings me another visual perspective of all the level of work that you are doing uh, right now, being a doctoral candidate for political science at UMass, being city councilor at large, full-time mom, and yet still you have time to do your campaigning and to support some particular causes also to do every now and then uh, your yoga <laughs> instruction. <laughs> so it's uh, a lot of a lot of things to deal with, to juggle, and yet you find the time to be here as well, talking to us through this medium so people can get to know about you, about what you're doing, about what are your plans. So I appreciate that because that shows that transparency and accountability that we need to see from elected officials being available for everyone, every single person living in the city that needs to ask a question, that needs to know about what's going on and how things are working. Mm. Mm, how, how do you feel, and this is going to be a little bit of asking you a little self-assessment sure. on your performance, let's say the past two years, how will you evaluate yourself in terms of the accomplishments and, if any, opportunities to improvement? Ah, well, <laughs> thanks for that question. It's, um, it's challenging. I mean, I feel like in, 
in retrospect, whether it's two years or you know the 12 years that I've been on the council, I feel like I do a lot to research the issues that we take votes on. Um, I put a lot of time into, especially for some of these really complicated issues that come through the city council, I really take my time to understand the issue and not only understand it for myself, but break it down into something that I feel like regular people with their own very busy lives can um, understand and digest. And I think I'm doing that um, to a large extent with the, the schools campaign now because that's really complicated, intricate issue. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I feel like I have um, taken, what do I want to say, like haphazard votes along the way. So there's no um, votes that I regret. But you know, when we're making policy, that it's a, it's a collaborative effort. So I'm not making policy the way that I want to in you know, my own little box. I have to work with the different perspectives and constituencies that are represented in the council. So I think in, in, you know, to evaluate like an area of improvement, I would say I, I, don't, I don't think I have the best relationships with my colleagues in order to um, build the coalitions or to have the conversations that are necessary at times to help people understand why I'm arguing in favor of this particular path or this particular um, item being added to the product that we're creating. And so, you know, again, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not from Holyoke and everybody I know has, has literally been through, you know, knocking on doors or showing up to an event and, and I do make an effort to, to be out there I do feel like I have um, really lovely relationships in the community, but because we're debating in city council and uh, we want to see our, <laughs> our way kind of embodied in the, the work product, um, it, it, it is a contentious space at times, and I know that it's not been easy for me to, again, d develop the relationships that I think would be important in facilitating more um, collaboration or, you know, conciliation both ways at, in the policymaking process. Following up on that, what do you think City Council as a body has accomplished so far and at the same time has not been so fructiferous or effective on addressing? Yeah, I think there's different... There's different iterations of the city council depending on like who, who's been there. You know, I think that we, we really do respond well to the large controversial issues that, that pop up when you see a lot of people come to the microphone and uh, there's two opposing p positions. I feel very satisfied with the way, for the most part, the city council has been able to navigate those dueling or competing perspectives and find a path forward that um, is probably not what either side wanted, but really um, takes the best elements of what either side wanted. I mean, I could think of a couple in terms of, like the YMCA wanted parking, and in order to get additional parking, uh, they bought a piece of land and were um, de demoing that, the house there, um, but then that lot was not zoned properly for uh, putting parking on, on there. And so, you know, half the people were like, you know, just give the YMCA the parking, we need the parking. And half the other people were like, this is a historic building, like we don't want um, the zone changed in our neighborhood because the YMCA may, may not always be there. And in order to preserve the residential character of our neighborhood, um, we don't want that zone change that would allow for parking. 
and what the city council was able to do was create uh, a special permit. So, you know, we can have downtown parking on residential lots given the special permit. So the underlying zoning, this is all technical, boring stuff at the end of the day, <laughs> but it's important because this is what a neighborhood, you know, fights over, right? The underlying uh, zoning is still residential. The, the neighborhood character is preserved, um, but the YMCA, for as long as it's around, has secured a special permit that allows for them to park on that lot. If they were ever to um, sell the land or go out of business themselves, um, the permit is non-transferable. And so um, you couldn't just put up a McDonald's or some other um, you know, high traffic type of business on that, on that property. You have to use the residential zoning that lo underlies the lot at this point in time. When we see this type of logistics put in place so things can be figured out. And yes, it, like, like you mentioned, sometimes it gets too complicated. I feel that is the part where many people disengage from following up the activity happening at city council because it gets too technical, too complicated. And even for the ones who are knowledgeable in this, it gets to be overwhelming because it, sometimes it, it needs to take a long time. Sometimes it extends unnecessarily way over the needed just Uh, sometimes fighting egos, but at the same time, it shows that there is a passion, there is a commitment, there is an interest on finding solutions to things. Mm -hmm. So I would like to ask you, Rebecca, what are your plans? What are your priorities for this next two years? Should you continue serving a city councilor at large? Sure, thanks. Um, I had proposed turning the Whitings Farm corridor into a retail center district, the entire corridor. So from JP's roughly um, all the way down through to the mall and including the mall so that when you look at the zoning map as a developer and you see like retail centers, you're like, oh, that's where I belong if you're a retail developer. And you know we would want like the larger boxes and uh, chain stores in that area and In 2000, I think it was 15, we came really close to finalizing that language, but then there was a bit of regime change and the project was stalled. Um, but the mall has kind of raised its hand and said, we need this. We need the, the height requirements that were built into that retail center district for the different types of businesses. And I think in, the, in particular, in this case, it's the movie theater that they want to bring in. So it's on the agenda again. Um, I really hope to um, seize this opportunity to ensure that we um, make it all the way through the process and codify it into ordinances. Uh, I am you know, really interested in zoning. <laughs> it's such a nerdy technical thing to be interested in that you know, most people you know, don't care about. But again, this is the stuff that underlies like the neighborhood dispute. So, so I do think it's important. Um, I know that there's plans underway to create more affordable housing units in the South Holyoke neighborhood and also to return some of the industrial zoning that has encroached upon the neighborhood that lives there uh, back to a residential character. And I think that's really important for um, you know, the, the city and, and that neighborhood to, to make sure that uh, there's a, a neighborhood feel as opposed to some sort of neighborhood that's locked in the middle of an industrial area. Let's see. I think, you know, the schools campaign is a really complicated issue and there is a very punctuated 
timeline in which we're asking our residents to understand this issue. So um, again, I feel like I put in a lot of time and effort into understanding the issue and then digesting it and breaking it down for people in ways that are easy to understand because I do, I'm sensitive to the fact that people are busy and uh, they they get overwhelmed. I think you, you were talking about people getting overwhelmed with the complexity of the issue. Um, but I think even more than that, the, the contention, I think, can have a real uh, dampening effect on people's willingness to even learn about the issue because it just feels scary and people are angry and you don't want to say the wrong thing or ask the wrong question. So, you know, the school's issue is an important issue for people to learn about. And I hope that um, through the efforts that I'm working on with the Yes to Invest group, that folks will feel like they have the information that they need to, to make an educated decision at the ballot in November. And then, you know, I think a lot of people in our community are very sensitive to the issues of gentrification. Uh, I think I've heard, we're, we're sitting here in Gateway City Arts, and I, I've heard people reference this as like gentrification central. And Gentrification is real. It is an issue that we have to be mindful of and sensitive to as we grow and develop. But I don't think that we can just discount every single project that is an economic development project and call it gentrification. Because then how do we actually, how do we, if there's no such thing as revitalization and it's just a euphemism for gentrification, how do we actually revitalize our community? How do we um, educate and um, provide opportunities uh, for those people who are currently at the margins. How do we bring them in and include them? I mean, these are important things, and I think that we need to create um, the, these opportunities alongside the economic development to make sure that as we grow and develop, um, we're not uh, pushing people out. What will be your message for constituents in all the city of Holyoke to consider voting for Rebecca Lisi this November 5th? I think the, the main thing that I bring to the table is um, I am focused on economic development and I am focused on doing it in a way that is sensitive to the communities that exist here. Um, and so in order to do that, in order to be sensitive, um, we need to be reaching out to those folks. And I feel like I, I have in the past made efforts to reach out to those folks and I have my door open at all times to... Um, hear the concerns of different groups in the city to make sure that they're not being uh, overlooked. I have a website. I think I'm one of the few council candidates that has a website, so you could see you know, the issues that I care about, the things that I've done, and all my contact information is uh, there. So, so to find me, to understand what I'm, I'm working on, and to be able to reach out, I think I make it really easy for folks, and I, and I hope that, that people utilize it. Uh, and then I bring more than 10 years experience to the city council and I do my best to research and understand the project. I feel very confident and secure in the decisions that I've made over time. And I hope that even if folks don't agree with the decision that I made, I've made it transparent and easy to understand the, the logic or reasoning behind the decisions that I've made. Which once again is all about transparency and being available to having those conversations. Sometimes when we see the decision-making being just unilateral and not even open to discussion outside city council chambers, that's when it feels 
not right or at least uncomfortable enough to not feel engaged or actually feel disenfranchised mm -hmm. from the local government on how things are done and then this reaction becomes the lack of trust or engagement from constituents in specific areas or specific socioeconomical sectors towards local government. So I really appreciate that you are bringing all these different angles. And while we have a limited amount of time to cover that much yeah. of different aspects, I want to uh, keep this invitation open, Rebecca, for continue talking about everything that is important to talk about in the city in all different aspects. So, and this is regardless of the outcome on the election, it is important that we, that we keep these conversations happening. Yeah, thank you. And I think uh, if I can just, you know, say one of the things that I think is essential for this community is to develop um, those social networks and civic networks for these discussions uh, to happen in. And, and really, you know, the, way, the best way to counteract gentrification is by having com the community available and engaged and saying, this is what we want to see economic development look like. This is how we're going to feel represented and you know, as a part of these projects that take shape so that we're not, again, railroading over different groups in, in the community. So I think the civic organizations and the social networks are, are really essential. Um, and they can't just be the divisions that we see currently. We really need to develop those cross-cutting relationships uh, so that we could see one another in the things that we want to move forward on. Once again, what is the ways for community to connect and to learn more about your campaign? I have a website, and that's votelisi.com. I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page for my political uh, self, and that is uh, Rebecca Lisi, Holyoke City Councilor at Large. Thank you. So this is our conversation with Rebecca Lisi, currently a City Councilor at Large, and looking up for two more years in a new term in this municipal election of November 5th. Remember, the last day to register to vote is October 16th. For more information on how to register and to do so, you can visit holyoke.org or you can visit the Holyoke City Clerk's Office at Holyoke City Hall. Rebecca, once again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Johan. Take care. With this, we conclude our session of our series, Know Your Candidates, that has been produced in our New England Media Lab studio inside Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>